Okay. Good. Uh, is this still? Mo Good morning again. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. Tell them. Did you have a good week? Who had a great week? Let me see. Who had a great week? You had a great week? Who had an awful week? Let me see. You had a really bad one. No worries. You're, you're blessed. You know, even if you had a bad week, you're still blessed. If you had a good week, you're blessed. Whatever week you've had, you're blessed. <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 105. We are going to continue our teaching on destiny. And um, what I'm going to do is, is I am going to just really um, teach this as best as I can for the rest of this month. But in July, I am going to change the emphases. Um, and if I don't complete this teaching series... I will continue it another time. Um, but I do not want to rush it because I realize that there is a lot of wonderful truths that we can learn. Have you been blessed so far? I hope you've been blessed. Yeah, um, I have been really blessed studying this. Um, and I have learned a few things about destiny that sometimes you know it, but you forget. And sometimes you actually don't know it, even though you think you do. And I have learned a few things. So we're going to continue. Today we're dealing with promotion to the palace season. The promotion to the palace or the season of the palace. Um, in everybody's life, uh, generally speaking, any man or woman of destiny, you come in a time of your life where you enter the season of the palace. Uh, somebody said, I'm still waiting for this season. <laughs> Uh, I believe your season will come in Jesus' name. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19, he says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Also, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We've established in our teachings that destiny speaks of one's destination or the place that God has ordained for us to arrive at, a place where we fulfill the unique purpose of God on our lives. And we said that a man or a woman of destiny is an individual focused on what God has called them to do. Also, and this for me is very important in this whole teaching, we have said that it is those individuals whose life choices does not violate the word of God or conscience that are able to enter into God's purpose for their lives regardless, of, regardless at what life throws to them. Now, this to me is such an important point because in my observation with so many people, we often feel like for us to enter into what we believe God has called us to, we have got to make it happen. And by we wanting to make it happen, sometimes we will maybe 
make a move that is a bit questionable, maybe make an alliance that does not actually help us, maybe make a decision that in the long run undermines God's purpose. And the reason why we do that, because we're afraid genuinely of getting it wrong, of making a mistake, of uh, missing our moment, our hour of destiny. But when you look at the life of Joseph and you see what happened to him and the stages of his life, you realize the hand of God that in the end, if Joseph had not remained true to God, he would never have been able to enter into his destiny. So last week, we looked at the prison season. And, uh, you know, I gave notes, and I'm not going to touch into all of it. Um, you can look at the notes and stuff. But uh, one of the things about the prison season before you can enter this palace season, you have to pass this prison season. And that season is a season of restriction. That season is a season where it feels like you are unable to do the things that you believe you should do because of circumstances outside of your control. The prison season of your life represents a time where you are serving others but not only are you serving others, you are actually restricted to being the person you are supposed to be. And that season of your life misrepresents the destiny of God on your life. Because you see with Joseph, he was accused of being an attempted rapist. And that's how that season began. And for a long time in that season, he was a prisoner and a slave and he was serving somebody else. And, uh, but that was very important in God's purpose for his life. Now, the way in which you are able to graduate from the prison to the palace is the ability to submit to the will of God. Submission to God and his will is key. It's the fundamental requirement during the prison season. Without this, you will never enter into the palace phase. Submission to the will of God. 1 Peter 4, I didn't give this out, it's in the notes um, last week. 1 Peter 4, 19, he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Look at, the, look at the phrases there. Those who suffer according to the will of God. Now, he's not talking about where we in our own foolishness have done things and we end up paying the penalty for. However, even in that context, where we in our foolishness have done things where we're paying the penalty for, we can still qualify if we learn to embrace what is our just punishment. If we learn to embrace that which we deserve, as far as God is concerned, and throw ourselves at his mercy, then his mercy overrides our justice, so to speak. Now, the will of God is so important for God to bring us out of this season of prison that we will be tempted to preempt his will. That's the point about the prison. You are 
tempted to take matters into your own hands. Like we looked at with Joseph, you discover that in that time of his life, he had the keys in the prison. He was living with the prison guard. He could come and go as he pleased. But yet he was a prisoner. And he was not supposed to be there. He was not supposed to be in prison. He was actually falsely accused. And he was a free man who had been falsely sold as a slave. So he was justified to jailbreak, but he never did. This is so important when you're understanding the fact that you're a man or a woman of destiny, that you learn to honor God and his word regardless of how things appear. And we must learn to wait patiently to the, for the Lord for him to bring us out of this season. You have to do that. You have to learn to wait patiently on the Lord for him to bring you out of the prison season so that you don't preempt his will. Now, waiting on God for deliverance involves tremendous amount of patience. You have to be patient. But it comes with a great reward. And again, over the years, I have seen so many become impatient. I have seen it, you know. Um, and, you know, whatever call God has on your life, your patience levels are going to be tested. Now, those, for instance, who are called into the apostolic office, the scripture says, Paul said, truly the signs of an apostle was evident among you in all signs and wonders and great patience. The key characteristic for anyone who's called as an apostle is they must be tremendously patient. That is being willing to suffer. Suffer and go through hardship and endure it for as long as it takes in God's economy. Say to your neighbor, learn to be patient. In Psalm 41 to 4, Psalm 401 to 4, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Many times we are waiting, but we're not waiting patiently. We're waiting impatiently. When? When? When are you going to do this? I mean, come on. We've been here for how long? When is this thing going to happen? When is this thing going to How many of you have been there before? How many of you are there right now? All right. He says, verse 2, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now, these promises are prerequisite to learning to wait patiently on the Lord. Learning to wait patiently on the Lord. I wish I could just dwell here. Because honestly, beloved, if you learn this secret of just trusting God when things are not going the way you think it should be going, when things are not turning out as you planned. How many of you have had your plans, strategic plans? Maybe you went on the strategic goal-setting course to have the strategic plan for the strategic life. And it's just not turning out the way you want it to. How many of you have been there? Oh, we've been there so many times. But learn to wait patiently on the Lord. One of the phrases I've learned recently is to tell him, I trust the lead, your leadership over my life. I trust your leadership over my life. Even though when every part of me wants to scream at your leadership over my life. <laughs> yeah. Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. 
Make the Lord your trust. Now, this is the key in that prison season. When you feel restricted, when you feel like nothing's going right for you, everything you've planned, and then they just boom. And then you do, you help people out. And guess what happens? They forget all about you. That's the prison season. After all the good, the other day one man of God said to me, ah, but after all the good that you did, how can they forget? People forget. One day I'll do a teaching. Those who forget. People forget. Those who forget. Those who leave you. Those who betray you. People forget. People will leave you. People will betray you. It's part of the seasons of destiny. Amen. All right, so now let's look at uh, the palace season. There's four key elements to it in Genesis 41. And uh, we're not going to look at all four. We're going to look at two briefly. The first is God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. The sovereign hand of God when it comes to the palace season. And uh, that's in verses 1 to 14. And we'll touch on that today. Where God in his sovereignty now, because you qualify, he now begins to order things. Beloved, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Your steps are ordered by God, you know. You may not think so. He says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. Just because you're righteous does not mean you will not fall. He says, though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. He says, a just man will fall seven times, yet the Lord will lift him up. Just because you are righteous, just because you are godly, just because you've been washed by the blood, does not mean you won't make mistakes. You will make mistakes. It's part of growing up. Just because you're a man or woman of destiny, whose life choices seeks to honor God, doesn't mean you won't make a wrong turn. You will make a wrong turn from time to time because you live in a tabernacle called the flesh. But there comes a time when God says, now it's my turn to move. The sovereign hand of God. Secondly, Joseph's response to the promotion. There comes a time when, because of what God does, you become elevated. You become promoted. And how you respond to that is key. Because remember, the palace season is not your destiny. The palace season is necessary for you to fulfill your destiny. Then the third thing is Pharaoh's response after meeting Joseph. When you enter this season, God will bring you in contact with influential people, people who are key to you fulfilling your destiny. Everybody, God brings certain people like this their way as they remain faithful. Influential people to your destiny. Now sometimes, the influential person will not look influential. Yeah. I remember many years ago I had this dream. And my dream, I was talking to some guy on the streets, just some ordinary guy, and I was impatient with him. And um, then the bus was coming, and then, then the scene changed. Not knowing this guy I was talking to in a kind of ordinary way was actually a very seasoned senior man of God and had missed my time. Because I had treated him badly. And it was a real message to me that be careful how you handle people who appear insignificant. Yeah. Joseph's response to his promotion. And then Pharaoh's response after meeting Joseph. Again, and we'll look at this, God willing, next week. The, a key element to 
you fulfilling destiny during this season is how others see you. Those of influence, how they see you. And then finally, Joseph as prime minister, how he operated during the season of the palace. All right, so let's look at God's sovereignty in promoting Joseph. This is uh, looking at um, Genesis 41, verses 1 to 7. It says, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. This is two full years after Joseph had interpreted to the butler and the baker that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly, there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat. And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gone, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. Hmm. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plum and good. Then, behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plum and four heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now, what I want you to notice here, the first point is this. God will create a need with people of influence because of you. Because of your destiny. You see, remember, Joseph's destiny was to preserve life. And God, for in the economy of God's sovereignty, he knew there was going to come a season of seven years of famine, of great destitution. And, you see, I tell you, this, this, this sequence here alone tells you so much about dreams and how God gives dreams. Let me tell you something right now, just for the record. People like David Cameron and all those guys, you know God speaks to them. God speaks, but they don't have a clue. Let me tell you something. At that time, Pharaoh was king of the world. The most, the, he was the superpower of the day. And, God, and he was an idol worshiper. He wasn't worshiping the true God. But God, wanting to preserve humanity... But more importantly, wanting to make sure that Jesus will come. Gave him a dream to warn him about what was coming. Now, when it comes to your destiny, there are situations that God will create because of you. He will create needs and challenges because of you. There is somebody somewhere right now because of you they are going to face a challenge that they will have no idea how to handle it. This dream, I tell you, there's so many things we can learn about this dream in terms of the dynamics of dream interpretation. For instance, when Joseph interprets a dream, he gives us some clues as to how God speaks to us. And just for the record, when you have reoccurring dreams, no matter how bizarre, write them down and pay attention, especially as a child of God, because they are a clue as to what God is saying to you. But we're not dealing with dreams today. I bet you wouldn't mind if I went there a little bit. But we're not dealing with dreams. <laughs> so, God will create a need because of you. And God gave Pharaoh this prophetic dream 
tell him about, about the future. Second point I want you to see. Oh, my, um, my, my machine is giving me some problems here. Let me just deal with my machine properly. All right. It's, it's all kind of, I don't know if it wants me to, yeah. It wants me to um, do it out of my memory. Second point. God will ensure that no one is available to solve that challenge but you. You will be the first choice that God has concerning that challenge. Verse 8. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men and Pharaoh told them his dreams but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Now this is a very interesting point. You know why? Because they were used to interpreting his dreams. This wasn't the first time he had dreamt and they had interpreted it but somehow this dream. Now if you're into dream interpretation and you saw it you'll be able to see the clues. But somehow God blinded them to the obvious. Do you know that most discoveries, once discovered, are improved upon by others who didn't have a clue about the discovery? You say, oh, it's obvious, of course. A bottle, of course. Look. But before this was invented, they were not having bottles. They were having other things. You, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, we were used to this gadget here. This is like, I mean, in the 80s, this would be like uh, space 30,000 or something. <laughs> you know, we would think like this is going to come in the year 30 or, or when the Martians and the, uh, the Andromedans arrive or something. But now we're used to it. Yeah. Because somebody discovered it. And you know, this is made out of the earth. This is made out of the ground. You'll be surprised what's inside of you. You'll be surprised what's inside of you. That's linked to a challenge nobody but you can solve. Third point. God will cause you, during this season, God causes you to be remembered by relevant people. You see, in the prison season, God deliberately makes sure you're forgotten. Yeah, how many of you have felt forgotten? Yeah. Uh, come on, how many of you have felt for, Somebody raised two hands, not one, I tell you. Yeah. Verse 9 to 13, the chief butler remembers Joseph. He remembers Joseph. He says, oh, no. Oh, gosh, I, I remember my faults today. In other words, he realized he's been a bit out of order because this guy interpreted his dream, told him what was going to happen, you know that you're going you're gonna to be free, man. You're, no, you're going to be promoted. And please remember me. When he was promoted, it's like, allow it. It's like, forget that. Mate, I'm now, I'm back in, I'm in favor now. And you forgot, and that happens, you know. Oh, I pray you will not be one who forgets. Yeah. But sometimes God will make sure people forget. There's a, there's a phrase about John the Baptist. He says he was in the deserts until his manifestation to Israel. At times, God will, you see, this is a principle. God will hide you. God will hide you because it's not your time to be seen. You know, people say, 
Look, come on, look at what you're doing. You should be on television. You should be on this. You think I don't want to be on television. But it's not time. One, I don't even have the money. Two, you know, I need to lose a little bit more, I think. Uh, I don't. <laughs> but to be honest with you, it's not time. If it ever gets time. Because, you know, I can just imagine me on question time. They ask me a question and it just ticks me off and I just, you know, well, you're, all, you're all insane. I'll say something stupid, which doesn't help the cause. So it's not, you're not ready. God will cause you to be remembered. Say to your neighbor, you will be remembered. Yeah. Fourth point during this phase, what God does is, God will cause you to be sought after by those who matter. Verse 14, the first part says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. They brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Now, if he had tried a jailbreak, it would have taken a while, he would have gone out. But when his time came, he was brought out quickly. Yeah. But it was all God. God was doing it. God was doing it. God made sure that he was remembered. God made sure that uh, the relevant people heard about him. God made sure but that the relevant people called for him. Beloved, you don't have to violate the word of God to get to your destiny. God is already in control. Now, what does Joseph do? Let's look at Joseph's response. We'll give you a few guidelines about Joseph. We'll give you five, and then I don't think we'll have time to continue. So, your response to your promotion is crucial. You see this from verses 14 to 36. You see, why? Because when people get promoted, it comes with privileges. It comes with, with a, a, a level of um, admiration and appreciation. Suddenly, you're noticed. Suddenly, you're hanging around with people that you never hanged around with. And it is very easy to forget how you got there. Yeah. Why do we have a situation? You know, look, I'm not picking on people. I'm just telling the truth. If you get offended, please forgive me. But why do you think that in Africa you have this situation? These people, these leaders, they, will, they, will, they come. a lot of them come from poor backgrounds or they've been around poverty. Then some of them, maybe they've been even educated in the best um, educational centers in the world, Cambridge, Harvard, all of them. They go to these places. Then they have in their heart, I'm going to help the nation. I'm going to help the nation. I'm going to help the nation. It's as if as soon as they get off the airplane, the sun and the heat in the western hemisphere of Africa affects the way they think. And they end up worse than the tyrant that was before them. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you know anything about West Africa, like especially that country they call Ghana. It's awful. Why? Because they forget why they were promoted. I see this with pastors. I see this with leaders. I see this with church people. Let's talk some small promotion. Small promotion. This is a small promotion. When they were single, they were like focused. I tell you, those of you single, you have no idea how blessed you are. You have no idea. 
You have no idea. You're free. Say, I'm not free. I'm bound. No, you're free. I'm telling you. <laughs> you have no idea. You have focus. Paul said to the singles, I want to spare you from marriage, you know. That's what he said. This is Bible. Come on, if you're married and you know what I'm talking about, say, Amen. <laughs> I want to spare you. <laughs> then you experience what you consider a promotion. You get married. Suddenly, now that you're married, I can't go prayer meetings because I'm married. I have to be with my husband. I have to be with my wife. Are, are, you, are you listening to me? Look at you looking all... <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I know what I'm talking about. Now that I have a child, there are certain places I don't go. I don't mix with the, those without children anymore. You know, some people have this mindset. Now that I've got a car, before you had a car, you were coming early to church. Now you have a car. Oh, you see, because of my car, I, I need to wash the car because tomorrow is work. So, pastor, you know, Charlie, I'll see you another day. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Some small blessing comes our way, and it changes. A small promotion. Hey, is that Nana? Right, now, I'm not going to. St can you stand? This is our, one of our founding, the original 11. Come on, stand, stand, stand. What are you doing? Nana Bonsai, stand. Let's welcome her. Hey, we have to, we have to make some noise. Nah, it's good to see you. We'll catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Help me with the time. I need to talk to Nana. <laughs> yeah. No. But, but you see, you see, how you handle promotion is so important. Because if you're not careful... The very thing that is supposed to assist you to your destiny will kill your destiny. At times, people, they say, you know, if God blesses me, I will help the church. You see your building. The minute 10 million comes, 1 million belongs to CLF. 1 million belongs to CLF. When the 10 million comes, 1 million belongs to CLF in Jesus' name. Hey, so we are, we are also, we're praying, give him break, give him break, come on, give him break. The million, 10 million comes. And then, pastor, I want to bless you. Here's 10,000 pounds. Thank you, but forget that. The million. Uh, you know, pastor, you taught about tithing. When you said tithing is a privilege. And you said you don't have to tithe. And you, can, you don't have to tithe to one local church. Your church, I'm going to give your church a sizable 50,000 towards the building, but there are other ministries that, my friend, that's not what we prayed for. <laughs> but suddenly, the million comes. You'll be surprised when, when you have little money, it's easier to part with it than when you have a lot more money. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. So, how you handle your promotion is key. Joseph's response to the promotion number one, you must be willing to be seen. In the favorable light. What a strange phrase. Verse 14, he says, he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. See, some of us, we have this mindset. Me, I'm never going to change how I am. I'm, see, if I go and meet the queen, I like my jeans, so I'm going to just go with my jeans. And if she doesn't like it, you know, I don't care because, you know, me, I'm a man of God. 
It sounds good. It sounds great. But it's foolish. There is a time and a season for everything. There's a time for jeans and then there's a time for suits. He was coming before Pharaoh. He couldn't, as a prisoner, just said, let me. He can't do that. He had to shave. He had to change his clothes. Those clothes were smelling. There's certain clothing some of us are carrying that we need to get rid of if we, if we want to face certain people. You know, what kind of clothing? Chip on the shoulder. It's because I'm black. That's why you're talking to me like that. You know, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you know what now this is too risky I can't go there no. we, 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 we like to have a reason why things aren't going the way you're supposed to it's to do with pigmentation it's not it's because of what's between your ears your grey matter hasn't got a lot of sensibility not your color, it's your brain. It's at times the way we're thinking. That's why people are handling us, not because of what we look. Are you still here? Joseph made himself presentable before Pharaoh because it was the right thing to do. And also, notice this. He went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh called for him. He didn't do Elisha. You see, Elisha, when um, the king, the captain came and said, um, look, I've got leprosy. Can you hear me? He said, he said, himself, eh, go and tell him to go and wash in the dirty river of Jordan. Because the man needed him. He was a father. But this one, he, he was in his house. But this one, Joseph, is in need. He's in prison. Pharaoh calls for him. He washes and then he, he comes. Yes, sir, I'm ready. There is a way you must learn to handle people. Especially those people who have authority over you. Secondly, you must acknowledge God as your source during this period. In verses 15 and 16, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I've heard about you, that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Joseph's answer was, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. What Joseph did was he made sure that Pharaoh knew who was behind his ability. You know what some of us do? After God uses, let's say, some church somewhere or some small person somewhere, we disassociate because now we are in a successful bracket. Are you still there? Huh. Or we are afraid, ashamed to identify with the one who has given us the ability. Let me tell you something. When you have something special, people don't care who is behind it if it's working for them. Why do you think they go to, they'll go to all these crazy? I mean, the other day, one of our church, our leaders was telling us about a pub down, the ro a pub down her road where they have tarot reasons. And people go to, um, the, the, the pub has, some people will come into their pub as specialists in contacting the dead. But you have to pay for consultation, you know. And they'll consult your cat, your dead cat, your dead, <laughs> dead dog, dead cat, and they'll tell you things 
about the cat heaven and cat hell and, and doggy heaven and doggy hell. They'll tell you, and people pay for that because to them it's working. There is something. So people don't mind what you say is behind what you're doing if you've got what it takes. Are you listening? I remember some years ago, I used to do some counseling for people um, who were not really strong in the Lord. They were in other churches, and they'll come and see me, and I was helping a friend now who had a shop. And I would minister to them prophetically and as a word of knowledge. One day, one of the ladies said to me, um, there was something hanging on the door that my friend who was from India had something, something. And they said, uh, is that the reason, is that the source of your power? <laughs> I said, what? That, that over there. No. The point, I was thinking, why would you come to me if you think that's the source of my power? You're supposed to be a Christian. People don't mind, even Christians. So what I'm saying to you is, is this. Identify with the one who anoints you. Joseph relied and acknowledged God as the source behind his ability. And you must learn to do that. Always. Now, God doesn't just anoint in dreams. God will anoint. You know, in, in Exodus 31, 1 to 5, God said to Moses, I have called by name Bezalel. And he said, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. This guy was a metal specialist, was a carpenter, and he was and a sculptor, and God anointed him that way. You see, God can anoint you in any field, any area. The Spirit of God. This speaking in tongues business. After you speak in tongues, draw. After you speak in tongues, do your equations. After you speak in tongues, do some accounting. Amen. Because that's your job. Me, after I speak in tongues, I lay hands on the sick. After I speak in tongues, I, I teach and I preach. I write books. After I speak in tongues, after I speak in tongues, one hour, two hours, then I sit down, type, seven hours, eight hours. Because that's my job. Are you listening? Acknowledge the source quickly. Third thing is this. You will be presented with a seemingly impossible task. Pharaoh gives Joseph his dream that nobody can interpret. Joseph could have said, uh-uh, Oga, this one, it's beyond me. But I've learned a secret. Whenever you're faced with a challenge, ask God for wisdom. At times when I'm faced with Challenges that seem incredible. The people don't know it. I look so cool. I think I do anyway. <laughs> or so serious. Like. But if you could see behind this. Because mm -hmm. oh they're telling me something. I'm thinking, oh my Lord. How on earth? But by the time they finish, I say, well, this is simple. Now when I say this is simple, sometimes I'm just stalling. This is simple. Because we're waiting, processing, 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 yeah. But you, when it comes to your destiny, you'll be faced with a challenge that appears impossible. Yeah. 
your attitude towards it is key. Maybe you've been looking for a job and it just seems, doesn't seem to be coming. Everybody else is getting it. Maybe it's because God is saying, I want you to create your own. Amen. But you look at yourself and it seems impossible. Amen. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. No. I'm telling you. That insurmountable challenge is designed for you. Fourth point is this. You must use your abilities as a representative of Christ. In verses 25 to 32, Joseph begins to interpret the dream. And the way he interprets it, he starts off, God has shown Pharaoh what is about to take place. God, he, he acknowledges the architect behind the challenge. God has brought this here in order to say this. You know, whenever you are dealing with the unsaved, know this, that any blessing that is coming their way is because God wants their soul. So always, you have to point them to their soul, their need for God. Yeah. Number five, and last one, you must rely on God to assist you in bringing about the solution. When you enter that palace face, you must rely on God. And the reason why you must do that is because sometimes God's techniques will not make sense. But you have to be willing to acknowledge God and rely on him. So that was Joseph's response when he was promoted. And then we'll, we, will, we will look at the rest of this uh, next week. Why don't we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and grace. Now, I want to pray for you. Very specifically, those of you who are waiting on God for his favor to shine upon you. I want you to know this. Psalm 67, he says in Psalm 67, God be merciful to us and bless us. Or God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. He said, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. You see, when you learn to look to God, you must trust him to bless you. You must look to him to help you. Psalm 34, 5 and 6, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. The thing that Joseph did was he looked to God. In his desperate hours, in his time of sorrow, in his time of trouble, he looked to God. But also when he was promoted, when he was elevated, and was faced with challenges, he looked to God. He did not take matters into his own hands. He looked to God. Beloved, I want to encourage you, do not take matters into your own hands. Look to God. At times people say, I look to God and nothing happened. In Psalm 34, verse 6, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The psalm says, I am a poor man. I am a man that is destitute and needy. But I cried out to him and he heard me and he saved me out of all my troubles. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean you won't have troubles. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean you won't have challenges. Maybe you've been looking for a job and it's just not happened. And it's getting you down. There are many who are looking for jobs and it hasn't happened. 
but learn to trust the Lord. Lord, if I never get a job, I will not dishonor you. I will not steal and I will not falsify my documents to get a job. But Lord, I am poor. Give me a job. I believe God will hear you in Jesus' name. Yeah. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. I believe that for some of us, the challenges that we are facing, you need to know God has assigned angels on your behalf. Yeah, really, I believe this. God has assigned angels on your behalf to strengthen you. So I want to pray for you, those of you that are at this season where you are looking to God to really move on your behalf. Stand where you are right now. Let's pray before we change the order of the service. As you stand, I want you to lift up your hands and just worship God for the breakthrough concerning that situation. Open your mouth and tell him, lift up your hands and voice out to God what you want God to do. And also thank him for what he's doing right now, even in your life through the word. Come on, begin to talk to him. Open your mouth and tell him. Worship him in your prayers. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If the... Um, if we can just um, get ready, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these ones that are here, these ones that are standing, these ones whose hearts are open and raised before you, whose hands are stretched out before you. Lord, I am asking for your favor upon them. I am asking for you to move on their behalf. Even now, in the name of Jesus, grant them a breakthrough. Let your sovereign hand move on their behalf, Father. Oh, God, hear their prayers. Hear their cry. Hear their heart. And create a miracle on their behalf. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. We are going to partake of communion at this time. Um, and um, I think, I'm not sure how we can.